the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program are pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. The Monday edition of The Ride Home. Kath has a day off. I'll be here with you solo for these next couple of hours. Saturday morning, I um, I woke up, and I, th- I think for a lot of people who live out in the East End, I had a pretty you know similar thought, I think, for a lot of people. I got dressed, and I I walked into Frick Park. Now, as a kid, and, well, just all my life, basically, if I lived out in the east end of the city of Pittsburgh, I know Frick Park like the back of my hand. I mean, I just, it's a place that I've spent a lot, a lot of time with. Family picnics, uh, just tromping through the woods with my buddies, um, just in, any number of things happened at Frick Park in my life. So whenever the um, the bus and the cars plummeted into the hollow. Uh, you see that? You just, I was like a lot of people, just dumbfounded. I mean, the collapse of that bridge, which to be honest, having lived in that area and that neighborhood for many, many years, I did not know it was called the Fern Hollow Bridge. I just, I didn't know it had it, you know, I'm sure it, it had a name, but it wasn't, you know, hey, the Fern Hollow Bridge. It wasn't like a widely used name. Anyway, I, uh, I parked up on, um, Braddock Avenue. Uh, in Regent Square, and I walked my way down like a lot of people. And I was surprised or not, but you know, there was a number of people there who walked through the hollow and got close to the bridge. Now, of course, as you might imagine, you know, there's police tape and whatnot. Some of the area has been cordoned off. I read today that you can go and visit if you're on the, uh, the Squirrel Hillside of uh, Forbes Avenue. You, uh, you can park up on uh, higher up by Homewood Cemetery and walk maybe three quarters of a mile down and go see for yourself what the destruction's like. It's worth a visit. It really is, especially if you have little kids and you kind of go, holy smokes. And not that, you know, it's th- the best thing about it, of course, is that no one died. And the people that are injured uh, are injured, but no one critically injured. So it's not as though, you know, you're like on some kind of a weird, you know, macabre thing it's not macabre at all it's just it's a natural curiosity anyway i show up and (laughs) the scale is just unbelievable Uh, what man can do the creation of that bridge and say what you will about 50 years later it falls into a pit it's just really beautiful and in many ways incongruent to see the construction the destruction and then nature all around it so I'm standing there, I'm by myself, and you listen to people's conversations, which are just always priceless. I, I, I've got good friends, uh, him and his wife, they call it the sport of ED, which ED for them is shorthand for eavesdropping, the sport of eavesdropping and listening to other people's conversations. There's a, a, leisure, a, a level of satisfaction about that, isn't there? 
you know, especially you're, you know, alone, you're, you know, you're single, hanging out in a crowd of people, you get to sort of poke around and get people's you know, sort of their take on things. Anyway, someone exclaimed in the mix of people, that's a miracle. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty much miraculous that no one died in that, right? I mean, it's a miracle. Someone further down said, miracle, schmiracle. That was just a matter of luck. And then all of a sudden, you're off to the races. I mean, that's all it takes. We are off to the races in this day and age. So, as you might imagine, I mean, people opining on every manner of God and nature and... (laughs) you live for these moments if you're a believer and you're curious about the culture these are the moments you kind of go this is cool from that conversation i've been thinking a lot and i'm I'm sure if as you and my guess is you're listening to christian radio because you know and you love jesus or you're curious about jesus and if you are a, a lover and a knower of jesus my guess is, like most of us, you pray regularly. Certainly a lot of prayers were answered on that Friday morning. So what is it about prayer? right? What is it about prayer that we are offering up, not a monologue, right? True prayer is a conversation. It's back and forth. I mean, whatever you think about popular culture and them losing popular culture's loss of respect for God, the act of calling out for intervention by some unseen other continues in this culture, right? I mean, we're, the culture here is, in America is a dumpster fire right now. But you'll see this time and time again. Unfortunately, whenever there's a mass shooting, right, or people like, like what happened on Friday morning, that was a miracle. And people called out to God. And you know how God works. More often than not, God answers, especially, I believe, to the neophyte, to the person on the fringe, to the person who is deeply questioning, is there a God? I mean, God will reveal himself, already has revealed himself in this mix. And I, I, you, you hear this. I'm not going to over-spiritualize this. It's, it's, it's just an impossibility to over-spiritualize God in the midst of tragedy because he's there. So, <laughs> so a conversation in the hollow of Frick Park, a miracle, schmiracle, God's there. And people know it. Of course people know it, right? Whether they count themselves as believers or regular churchgoers or they have the the name of Jesus Christ on the tips of their tongues, people know that God is with us and God is holy and God is great and God is to be praised. People know that. It's just the other stuff that gets in the way, all that other secular, <laughs> the rubbish that is created, the twirl, the trash factory that we're all part of. But when it comes right down to it, in the midst of despair or joy, right? Praise or horror, people know in their heart of hearts that God exists. And then a step further, because they know God exists, they know he is mighty and he is to be praised. Amen to that. 
Hey, thanks for being with us on this Monday show. We'll take a quick break, as we always do on Monday. We take a trip to the White House. Greg Cluxton will join us. He is the Salem Network White House reporter. What's going on in the nation's capital and around the country? That's next here on The Ride Home. 101.5 Word FM. It's WORD. WORD. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? This week on Truth For Life, we'll conclude our study of the book of Ephesians, and then don't miss the start of a brand new series in 1 Samuel titled, Give Us a King. That's Monday through Friday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. If you're in the market for metal roofing, siding, and garage doors, Kaufman Metals in Bedford can meet your expectations with friendly professional service. Their equipment is right up to date with the newest technology and ready to produce your standard and customized metal panels and trims to your exact specifications for any project with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Plus, Kaufman Metals offers complete do-it-yourself building packages included with computer-generated drawings. Kaufman Metals also provides sales and service for CHI residential and commercial garage doors. They deliver any order, large or small, to any place with full-service rollback trucks and trailers with a Moffitt forklift to set building packages conveniently close to your project. And just so you know, they offer contractors discounts as well. Visit KaufmanMetals.com or call 814-623-6044 or stop in at 6146 Lincoln Highway, Bedford, PA. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006 towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. From our nation's capital, Greg Clugston joins us from SRN News, where he is the White House correspondent, talking about things happening in the nation's beltway and across the country and around the globe. Greg, uh, Greg, happy Monday to you, friend. How are you? Hey, John. Good to see you. Good to be here. You Thanks. as well. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ukraine. Uh, everyone's thinking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, any news on some sort of diplomatic breakthrough? Yeah, unfortunately, no breakthrough, although efforts for peace, diplom- diplomatic efforts have been continuing. 
and they will continue according to the Biden administration, but nothing in terms of a breakthrough. In fact, earlier today at the United Nations Security Council in New York, there was a bit of a dust up as there was uh, an open hearing. Really? And China and Russia had voted not to even hold the hearing or if they were going to have it, not to have it open publicly, but they were outvoted. And so it was uh, for public display. And there were accusations flying back and forth, primarily between Russia and the U.S. It was Russia accusing the West of of, of being uh, provocative and uh, whipping up tensions around Ukraine. Really? And the U.N. ambassador or the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. essentially said, look, Russia is the one that has 100,000 plus troops along the border. Now some of them are moving into neighboring Belarus and that it's truly Moscow that's the aggressor. So it's this sort of back and forth and uh, contingency plans are being made. There was a very sober briefing from the Pentagon late last week where our top military officials were laying out this scenario and uh, the possibility of, you know, some sort of action moving forward, not just by the U.S., but by NATO generally. But it still remains a pretty sticky situation, John. Interesting. So, Greg, I think for a lot of people, when you see the headlines and then you see what you just reported from the United Nations today, and then you wonder about the the uh, particulars of the personalities involved. I mean, this uh, Putin, are we... In the West, are we just feeding into something? Is this a chess game that's unfolding here? Something that, of course, you know, we as the outsiders and, you know, the big picture, we miss totally? Well, it's definitely a chess game. I I think that's fair to say. Whether we are feeding into it or prolonging it or, you know, putting, giving it fuel to continue, uh, that's, that's debatable. There have been any number of people who have wondered if, you know, part of the, part of the game here, if you want to call it a game, it's, yeah. it's much more serious, of course, than that. But part of the part of the plan by Vladimir Putin is to be disruptive, and uh, by being disruptive, he can draw attention uh, to uh, you know to matters that he wants to, or away from perhaps matters uh, that he uh, would like to have lesser attention on. So it, it's unclear as to whether or not there is a master game plan, or if he's you know calling the shots you know kind of from the hip as as things move along. It's it's really hard to know. Obviously, there was. The, the move into the Crimea, that part of Ukraine, several years ago during the Obama administration. And, uh, you know, there was all kinds of uh, denunciation at that time by the U.S. and the U.N. and other countries about that sort of military takeover of that region by Russia. But Russia was essentially allowed to do that. And now you've got nations that are saying we're not going to allow that this time, but we'll have to see because uh, the stakes could be higher. Yes. Well, it's fascinating to think about, you know, the thoughts and the desires of just several people in this world. And meanwhile, billions and billions of us are wondering what is actually going on on the other side. So uh, what about the idea of this Friday the Olympics take hold. They start in China once again. And so there's been conversation about that, that uh, if there was somehow a military uh, involvement, that the Russians would hold off so as to not to steal the headlines uh, from the Chinese. Right. Because of, you know, diplomatic ties between Russia and China and uh, they've been partners and they see eye to eye on a lot of things, not everything, of course, but a lot of things. And they're, and they're viewed as partners in some respects. So 
that is one of the scenarios that's been laid out there, John. It's very interesting that Russia possibly could withhold some sort of decision on on invading or moving its troops more aggressively until after the Olympic Games, uh, sort of in deference to Beijing here. Uh, again, we, nobody really knows the mind of Vladimir Putin. Right. In fact, uh, any number of top diplomats and military officials from inside and outside the United States have said that they're not even sure that the inner circle of Vladimir Putin knows what the Russian president is going to do next. So it remains uh, it remains a big question mark. There's no question. Fascinating. We're speaking with Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent, live from the White House. So, Greg, uh, let's talk about Washington, D.C. Uh, former President Trump made some headlines last night into today where he talked about pardoning people who were involved in uh, January 6th. Tell us that story, please. Yeah, he had another big weekend rally, this time in Texas. Thousands of, of supporters showed up. And part of uh, what he was saying is saying, look, I, if, I'm, if I run again in 2024, and if I am reelected to be president of the United States, uh, he said that it's a real possibility that pardons would be on the table for anyone charged in the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol. He believes that they um, these, these people who have been charged have have been treated unfairly and that he wants to essentially right the wrongs as he sees them. And so he's sort of dangling that out there. Again, he has not made any specifics uh, in terms of announcements for sure. running for reelection, although he's he's certainly uh, put out that prospect at these rallies and in his uh, his written statements and that sort of thing. But this is the very latest. <clears throat> it, it did bring up some some reaction from a couple of Republican senators uh who were interviewed on some of the Sunday talk shows yesterday. Sure. Um, one of them is a moderate Susan Collins of Maine. She often voted against, you know, uh, Trump and hasn't been uh, super supportive of, of his administration when he was in office. And she was expressing concern about that. But w- what was interesting is somebody like Lindsey Graham, Senator from South Carolina, often a golf partner of Donald Trump's and all the rest. He, he thinks that <clears throat> is a terrible idea for the idea of pardons. He said the attack on the U S Capitol was awful and that they should be held accountable for anybody who was uh, involved in that. So you put it under the category of we shall see when we shall see, right? It's one of those things down the road. Hey, uh, talk to us about the Supreme Court. Uh, Big news now, of course, that um, there is a a soon-to-be vacancy and, of course, the political machinations in Washington, D.C., talking about who's up next on on the court. Right. This this news happened since we talked last when, last Monday in the middle of uh, the week. Last week, we got the announcement uh, that Justice Stephen Breyer would be retiring from the Supreme Court after uh, close to 30 years on the bench. And so he uh, his departure then would leave the very first pick for Joe Biden as president uh, to put somebody on the Supreme Court. You remember back in the campaign and he has said it since he took office yep. in the White House. Sure. But his pledge then and continues to be to put the first black woman on the Supreme Court. Now, of course, not just any black woman, but someone who has credentials and qualifications and the sort of judicial record that um, obviously that any Supreme Court nominee would need to have moving forward. So that uh, that's that was the big story, the big announcement last week. What's going to happen tomorrow? The president's going to be inviting over to the White House the top Republican and the top Democrat 
Senators Durbin and Grassley. They sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Of course, that's the panel that will be responsible for conducting the confirmation hearing once there's a nominee ready to be confirmed. So that sort of outreach and and sort of the the wheels are starting to move here in Washington of that process. Uh, What's what's really interesting is, unlike the last time that we had a Supreme Court uh, nominee and and process moving forward at the end of the Trump administration uh, with with uh, Justice Coney Barrett eventually being confirmed, John, is that this vote is not going to really change the ideological balance of the court because the the president is going to put someone like-minded to Justice Breyer. And so the the current divide, 6-3, which is leaning conservative, is not going to be affected by this particular round of a confirmation. Interesting. It feels as though, you know, just from sitting here in the studio, that there's been quite a turnover in the Supreme Court lately, hasn't there? I mean, it's unprecedented the number of justices who have retired or died, and now all of a sudden, you know, we've got three, four, five different justices new in the past few years. Right. It was it was remarkable that in one term uh, you had, I'm sorry, one term of office, one four-year term for Donald Trump, he had three, uh, three total appointments. Now, of course, they didn't come without uh, controversy in terms of scheduling and of the timing. Uh, you know, with the end of the, <clears throat> you know, the Obama administration year and, and all the rest. But you're right; it has been sort of, uh, you know, compact here over the last number of years in, in terms of turnover, uh, because as you know, and our listeners know, uh, typically when someone's put on the Supreme Court, you know, it's a, it's an appointment for life, and they tend to be on the court. Uh, for many, many years, if not decades. And so to have this kind of turnover in the last number of years has been interesting to watch. Is it ever? Uh, what's fascinating is even now, these very early stages where just a couple of names are being mentioned, two or three different candidates, and yeah. what that must be like for those candidates, how disruptive it must be in their own personal lives. They're going about their business. All of a sudden, the press shows up at their door, and there's a lot of ink that's spilled about them and their lives. I mean, it, it's like topsy turvy. Just only a mention as to what may possibly work in their lives. Yeah, and uh, for the top tier candidates and ultimately the nominee, you're right. It is sort of a life altering, if not temporary, permanent uh, changes for uh, for some of these uh, the names that are being kicked around. One of the names that's that's interesting is of Michelle Childs, who is a judge in South Carolina, and she is being mm-hmm. endorsed by. Uh, the number three Democrat in the House, Senator Clyburn of of South Carolina, and he is a close friend and ally of Joe Biden. In fact, he's he's one who's really credited with sort of saving the Biden campaign with his endorsement before the South Carolina primary Interesting. in 2020. And uh, he is very influential and he would like to have somebody from the South represented, not just a black woman, but someone who hails from the southern United States, which is uh, not a common uh, region represented on the Supreme Court. And so that'll be interesting to see how that plays in terms of the president's decision making. You know, there's so many different areas here to look at. What's also interesting is, you know, the pushback that uh, Biden received saying, you know, I'm going to choose a black woman. And of course, people saying, well, it's unfair. You should take the most qualified person. But this is not unprecedented territory. You know, presidents have always sort of signaled what they're looking for in a candidate, right? They have. Donald Trump, most recently, uh, before he announced uh, Amy Coney Barrett, said that his intention was to put a woman, another woman, on the Supreme Court, which he did. He also talked about, as a uh, presidential candidate and as president, uh, his plan to put 
justices or to put a justice on the Supreme Court that supported uh, pro-life, was a pro-life, uh, had a pro-life perspective. Go back to Ronald Reagan, and he also uh, had talked about putting a woman on the court. Of course, his his vote there, uh, his confirmation process uh, was historic in its own sense, too, so as president. So you're right. It, it has happened before. And um, one thing that conservatives at least can breathe a little easier this time in terms of uh, the makeup of the court, it shouldn't uh, shouldn't be a big difference this time around. But no. uh, these are these have become like so many things that we talk about here on Mondays, John. Uh, these issues here in Washington um, are, are very divisive politically. Uh, you know, back when when Reagan would uh, bring somebody forward or even, you know, even in subsequent administrations, you would have overwhelming bipartisan support for Supreme Court nominees voting in the U.S. Senate. But now it's getting much closer to the 50-50 divide. Yeah, you got that right. Fascinating times. It's good to be alive, Greg. Hey, OK, so Cass not here today, obviously. She's at home. Uh, this is day one. Uh, we'll step away from the headlines. Day one of Kathy's uh, remodeling project in her house. Uh, God bless her. Uh, <laughs> I can only imagine what that's like. Have you yourself and your family, have you ever done any remodeling? We have. Uh, we've we, we've tried not to do more than one or two rooms at a time yeah, because it can be very disruptive. And of course, we, uh, well, not of course, but many years ago, we had a, a leaking flood problem when we were away on vacation oh. to come home to a, a much larger mess than we anticipated. Ouch. And sometimes you don't have the choice in that matter. Right. <laughs> so you put the key in the front door, or you walked in, and there was a, a brave new world. Yeah, the ceiling was on the floor in, in the kitchen. So that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. never fun. But fun. uh but when you when you plan for it, at least you uh you can kind of get yourself emotionally ready for the disruption. <laughs> but uh it's always good to have a project and uh and then when you see it come to fruition, it's it's worth the effort. Yeah, it feels good. Well, I I'm sure this will not be the first or the last time that we talk about Kath and her remodeling. So uh as you join <laughs> us, we'll give you updates on Mondays, Greg. Oh, I look forward to it. I wish, uh, I wish her the absolute best. Very nice. Hey, thanks so much. Always a great pleasure to have you with us to check in about what's happening around the nation's capital. Your time is valuable to us, Greg. My pleasure, John. Thanks. Greg Clarkston, SRN News, White House correspondent. Information about Greg at wordfm.com, Salem Radio Network. You know what you could do? You could add on to your house an extra room and fill it with white fluffy sand that feels like the beach. Pump in seagull sounds, paint waves on the walls, and cute little sand crabs. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a beach room could be very cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm lesson number 1330. Department of Banking, Mortgage Lender License number 22672. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof. Or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows or Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows or Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you've lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows 
Windows or Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how would you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding and roof replacement, all with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That is windowsruspittsburgh.com. McQueen Building Company. It's about our people, but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear. It was a pleasure working with McQueen. Everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction. I'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends. Jeff works hard, is committed to success, and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome. I highly recommend Jeff, his work ethic, and his commitment to excellence. McQueen Building Company. See our work for yourself at McQueenBuildingCompany.com. Your life, your hopes, and whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 19. Times of clouds and sun tomorrow, tomorrow's high 43. Cloudy skies tomorrow night, low 31. Cloudy Wednesday, a little rain in the afternoon will reach a high Wednesday of 45. Rain changing to ice on Thursday. Roads and sidewalks could turn into dangerous sheets of ice. The high 37, temperatures falling to the mid-20s. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Pop music. Pop music is weird, isn't it? Uh, I remember being a kid. This is like goes back into the 60s and the 70s. And occasionally, like, you would hear, like, a spiritual song, right? A spirit in the sky. You know, oh, Norman Greenbaum. Uh, how about, I, I saw on a bit for an 84-year-old nun, Sister Janet Mead, who way back in uh, 1974 uh, recorded a song, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Remember this song? I mean... Uh, I can't play it. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That was a big hit. She sold like millions of copies around the globe. And she wasn't looking for stardom. It's just kind of one of these weird things. She knew somebody who put this thing in. All of a sudden, she was a big... Millions and millions of people know that. And now, when I read this obituary and I sang that song, it gets stuck in your head, right? That song. I know that song. Christy, you don't know that song, do you? No, it's... I have no idea. How about... How about um, uh, way back in the early 60s, 1963, there was a nun. Uh, she was billed as the singing nun. This was pre-Sally Field, the singing nun. But um, Dominique, you know that song? Dominique, Niki, 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 Niki. No, you don't know that either. Sorry. I mean, two nun songs. <laughs> Can't help you out. Who doesn't like a good nun song? I mean, Our Father Who Art in Heaven. I love that song. And Dominique, Niki, Niki, Niki. So I'm saying some decades have gone by, so there is room for another singing nun hit out there somewhere. I'm surprised, like, you know, America's Got Talent or whatnot. There hasn't been one of those people out there that uh, going to break through the top, the top songs. Anyway, such is life. I'll take a quick break, come back. 
Uh, we got more ahead. This is the uh, the ride home with John and Kathy. Oh, we're we're playing something uh, that was pre-recorded from an earlier conversation, right? Is that true? No, it's not true. Okay, I guess I got the nun singing in my head. I don't know what's going on. Be right back. WORD, Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on leading the way. The unity of the Bible has defied human wisdom. The unity of the Bible has baffled the critics. The unity of the Bible challenges its enemies. The unity of the Bible goads its opponents. That is not look like it. Leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. We all know health care costs are through the roof, but having insurance to back you up in uncertain times provides a sense of security to us, right? I'm Kathy Emmons, and about a year ago, I lost my sense of security when I lost my health insurance. It was a sudden thing, a COVID-era adjustment they had to make, my husband's employer said. But all of a sudden, after decades of being covered by the same people, I was on my own. But it turns out, not on my own. You know I've advertised for Todd Marley at Marley Financial for years now. I've loved the sound of what they offer to individuals and small businesses, but all at once I had to depend on them for my own health insurance. And wow, have they come through. From Todd, who took the time to explain all the options, to Carrie, who has walked through literally every bit of paperwork I've had, Marley Financial has been there for me. So if you're looking for a group of people who will be there for you, think Marley Financial. Find them online, marleyfg.com or at 724-884-1496. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them, and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code word or call 800-391-0954 but right now mypillow.com promo code is word mcqueen building company it's about our people but it's what others say about us that we really want you to hear it was a pleasure working with mcqueen everything we agreed on in the contract was done and done to my satisfaction i'll certainly have them for any future projects and have recommended them to friends jeff works hard is committed to success and willing to go above and beyond in his zeal for the best outcome i highly recommend jeff his work ethic and his commitment to excellence mcqueen building company see our work for yourself at mcqueenbuildingcompany.com i don't know if it's the internet age or our smartphones or what or our i don't know our obsession with money or politics or just the day and the age that we live in in uh, 2019 but it seems to me just from you know being in circles with my kids and you know their peers and our friends and all that, 
that there is an epidemic of childhood depression and it feels as though it's it's thick and throughout all different stratospheres of socioeconomic and, and racial. Kids are not the kids of um, our youth, at least when I was growing up. It was a rare thing for a, a kid to be diagnosed with depression. But I think we've turned the corner on this. This is something, a new age that we live in. Casey Van Norman is with us. She's a counselor, a Bible teacher, the author of the books and study series, Named by God and Raw Faith. She wrote a terrific piece at the Gospel Coalition website called How to Talk to Your Depressed Child. Case, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. Actually, I am Christine Chapel, oh. so the bio was a little bit different, but... But the title of the article was right. <laughs> okay, so okay, so Christine Chapel, author of Clean Home, Messy Heart, and Help My Teen is Depressed. There it is. There we go. We're just there reading the go. wrong thing. <laughs> That's no problem. Christine, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on today. Good, but you've mentioned in your article the, the what, what you want to say. I read the wrong bios. Yeah. John's so excited about what's going on in the show. He's just one step ahead, Christine. So we're going to pull him back together. Holy, I'm Can depressed. We do that? No problem. I'm depressed. Uh, Christine, you wrote in your article that you had seasons of depression yourself before you had to navigate the season that your daughter was experiencing. Can you talk about that and if it helped you? Yeah. I mean, I have been battling depression on and off uh, for about 20 years, and thankfully, by God's grace, the last couple of years have been, you know, pretty stable. But, um, you know, I never, ever in my wildest dreams imagined that it would be part of my child's story. And I just, before I continue, want to say that, I, you know, my daughter knows that I write about this, and so I have her blessing and, and when talking about it and writing about it. But um, it has given me a unique position, I guess, in terms of ministering to her sorrow and her struggles, because I can empathize, you know, more easily, because I know the experience. I know that it's not always a matter of attitude or, you know, choosing to be pouty or upset or grumpy or whatever, that there is something deeper. There's something at the heart level. There's something that sometimes can be even mysterious about the battle. And so just trying to enter into her sorrow and her hurt and recognizing that her experience of depression is maybe looking different, you know, than what I have in the past experience, but it's suffering nonetheless. And I think that's a major point that we can, as parents can easily overlook is just the fact that our children are suffering. You know, a lot of times we'll look at what they're wrestling with and, hey, I'm a parent, this is a problem that I need to fix, instead of, you know, this is a child that we need to love. <laughs> and first and foremost, they're suffering and they're hurting and they're looking to us, you know, for help and for hope. Right. So I, I wonder, Christine, is this the age? Here's quickly, whenever I was a kid, I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And of course, you know, uh, I'm entering into, you know, the, the hormonal explosion that is present in teen boys. And I, I remember yelling to my mom, which I never did. I, I yelled out to her one time, I think I'm going crazy. And I really meant that. I did think I was going crazy. And she said to me, oh, you're going to be okay. I mean, that was really no help to me whatsoever. Uh, I was, you know, suffering. I wanted her to understand me a little bit, but you know, of that generation, they were not going to have that. They just were not going to engage me in my talk. But you know, I, I, I'm sure it hurt me in the long run, you know, for her not to go, "Hey, what's going on?" But it's a good thing that you are listening to your child. 
Right. Well, I think the difference there is, as, you know, if we're followers of Christ, we need to look to God for an example, for some guidance and wisdom and how we need to respond to our children's proclamations that, you know, something is amiss and that they're, they're sad and they don't know why, or they want to hurt themselves and they don't understand these overwhelming emotions. We you need to follow God's lead. And when we see God engage with his children in the scriptures, we don't see a God who comes and says, just suck it up or just pull yourself up by the bootstraps or no, you're not really feeling that way. You're re- what's really going on is X, Y, Z. He enters into Elijah's distress, you know, in first Kings and he, he fellowships with Elijah. He tends to Elijah's physical needs and his spiritual needs. And we see in a variety of other uh, scriptural narratives, God and his masterful care of his despondent children. And so we have an example. We have God giving us direction in the scriptures of how we can really be offering our children love and encouragement and just letting them know that what they're going through is not abnormal. We have the scriptures, you know, Moses wanting to die, Jonah wanting to die, uh, Job and his suffering and his lament and King David and his sorrow and and all of that in the Psalms. We just have, we have so much scriptural material to go off of that there's really no reason we should be approaching our children and just telling them to get over it, suck it up, you'll be okay. And instead, we need to model our care after, after God himself um, and really just sit and enter into our children's sadness and weep with those who weep. Good. So when you talk to your depressed child, one of the things you talk about uh, in the article in the Gospel Coalition is that you, that you talk about that depression is not abnormal, that it's a common state for a lot of people. Right. Well, I think that, you know, over time we've come and bought into the notion that happiness is a default condition, but happiness hasn't been a default since the fall. You know, ever since we got booted out of the Garden of Mm -hmm. Eden, we have been, you know, toiling and laboring with pain and groaning too deep for words. And so we, we've sometimes, as parents especially, can think that our children, you know, should just be happy, and that's just the way everyone is. And if you're not happy, something's wrong with you. But the reality is, is that, you know, sorrow, excessive depression, um, and, and things of that nature, you know, just remind us of how broken we really are, how broken and fallen this world really is, and that apart from Christ, we're going to constantly be grasping at the, the closest thing next to us to try to give us satisfaction mm-hmm. and happiness, and it's going to fail us time and time again because created things decay and they expire and they die, they pass away. And so, you know, we just are constantly trying to find, you know, what's the next thing that's going to make me happy or content. And unfortunately, when it's not, you know, something that's eternal, um, we're going to face disappointment over and over again. It's not going to live up to that, that hope that it will, you know, be able to satisfy us in, in all of the ways we need satisfaction. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, I got to tell you, we've had a lot of people talk about depression over the years. I think that is the most accurate biblical perspective on depression I've ever heard. Um, and I really appreciate that. And your daughter is really blessed to have you, uh, to walk with her through all of that. So it's, it's harder though, I think, when you're watching someone than when you're going through it yourself. What do you think? 
Oh, yeah, of course it is. I mean, and especially from the parental standpoint, because, you know, our kids will come to us and say, hey, mom, I've got a math problem I can't solve. Can you help me? Oh, well, actually, and to be all honest with you, I'm not helping her with math problems because math's my worst subject. But if it was like a writing problem, yeah, sure, I can give you help with that. You know, we want to be fixers for our kids. We want to solve their problems. We want them to have, you know, a pleasant life. I mean, who doesn't want that? Um, You know, but at the same time, when it comes to parenting a depressed child, we can be tempted to get really angry and bitter when they're not getting better right. because they're, we can be impatient with other people's brokenness. And so that's when we're tempted to say, you know what, you really have nothing to be upset about. Your life is really good or, you know, just fake it till you make it is another thing that people, you know, can sometimes fall back on. Sure. And just trying to, again, we're not preaching gospel here. We're preaching you can fix yourself. And you know what? Someone who's broken and hopeless, they can't fix themselves. And to be, on, to be honest, none of us can fix mm-hmm. ourselves. But we just, you know, when we're happy and things are going great, we're under this illusion that you have this control over your world that you really don't have. And we face that front and center when our kids are depressed and we can't figure out how to make it better. It's a total, a total, uh, we have no control over it. Can we love them? Can we encourage them? Can we minister to them? Yes. Can we fix them? Do we know everything that's going on in their hearts and their bodies? No, we don't. Only God knows. And so it's really a matter of, you know, trusting God with our kids and doing what we're called to do, which is to love God and love our kid as ourselves. Christine Chappell is with us. Christine is the author of Clean Home, Messy Heart, and Help. My teen is depressed. She also, she she hosts the Hope and Help Project podcast. She blogs at FaithfulSparrow.com. So, uh, Christine, just uh, in the last hour around this time, we had Tremper Longman, who's a, a biblical scholar, talk to us about the Psalms of Lament. And, of course, it was a good reminder for all of us that lament goes back since man has walked the earth here. Uh, in the language of the laments, right, that language moves forward. So it's important for us to remember that there is a language of sorrow, of despair, and you should know that as well as your child. Absolutely. I mean, the wonderful thing is that God in his kindness has given us that language. You know, we don't always know the right ways to be able to communicate how we're feeling, especially when we're depressed. Um, And if you think about it, as an adult, we can wrestle with that. So let alone a, a child or a teenager who doesn't have the vocabulary, they don't have the emotional or the spiritual maturity that, you know, a grown up might have. And so it's even more difficult. And so to turn to the scriptures and to, as a parent, to guide our child to Psalms of Lament, like Psalm 13, Psalm 77, and specifically Psalm 88, which is the unresolved Psalm, which is the darkest Psalm that um, that is in the songbook, uh, we can really equip our kids to know, number one, God knows what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is not a surprise to God that you are feeling hopeless. It's not a surprise to him that you feel like he's abandoned you. It's not a surprise that, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, whatever the psalm is saying. So he's not surprised. In fact, he knows what we're going through because Christ experienced all of these types of things during his passion and his crucifixion and separation from the Father. So there's a way in which lament helps us to identify with with Jesus and in Jesus' suffering, but it gives us hope, too, because it says, okay, now here's what you do. As you're lamenting, you're crying out to God, you're telling Him all of these ways that you're hurting and you're broken, 
And then you're asking for His grace and for His mercy to, to help you. you. know, like the scriptures say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so hurting. I don't know all the words. And then we give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit. You know, He's ministering at, in those moments, and He's making clear the prayers that we're saying. You know, we're just groaning and crying and weeping, and He's turning those groans and weeps into prayers that the Lord understands, and He is delighted to step down with us and to enter into our pain and just assure us that He's with us and that He hasn't abandoned us and that He knows what this feeling um, is like. Christine, our time's nearly up. Um, But to close, I want to ask you about how hard it is to walk through this with someone, whether it's your child or it's someone else's child or it's a friend or a spouse or whatever it is, when it's just, it's a long time. You know, it's one thing if someone's depressed in a couple of weeks, they're feeling better, but this can, this can go on for months or years. Right. Well, it's no secret. If, if you're walking alongside someone who's depressed, this journey of theirs is actually going to be a huge part of your sanctification as well. It will test your ability to love that person as humbly and as faithfully as Christ has loved you. And so we need to keep that perspective. We need to remember that we're not called to fix the person that we're walking with, but we're called to love and encourage and disciple them through it. And 1 Thessalonians 5.14 encourages us in that way. And so we just need to help people who are depressed, you know, take courage and trust God for their future um, and to be in fellowship with others is important also not to um, kind of fall back into a state of isolation, but to really, you know, lock arms with one or two people who can pray for you. Um, even as a parent, even if you're not depressed, but your child is, you need support. You need the support of the community to say, hey, keep going. Don't, you know, don't grow weary of doing good. And in due season, you will reap the harvest. And, um, you know, so the, the parents need just as much support as the depressed child or person does. And, uh, you know, waiting for uh, cure or for healing, you know, just test our ability to trust God with, with that person. And that person is being cared for by a, a God who loves them, who sees them and knows them and cares and is not absent. He's, he's working in ways that we don't always see or understand, but he's working. Amen to that. Christine Chapel. she is the, uh, the author of Help, My Teen is Depressed. She hosts the Hope and Help Project podcast, also blogging at FaithfulSparrow.com. Christine, thanks an awful lot. That was good wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. My son is in the second grade at our local public school, and yet somehow he gets to attend a Bible class during his school day because of LifeWise Academy. We're seeing public school students from urban, rural, and suburban communities who have never heard the basic stories of how Jesus came to rescue us. Hey, Word FM listeners, I'm Joel Penton, founder of LifeWise Academy, and we bring Bible education to public school students during the school day. Believe it or not, in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that students can actually be released from public school during school hours to receive religious instruction. However, almost no one knows it's possible. LifeWise Academy provides the structure and tools for local communities to put to work. This program is taking off nationwide and our kids' futures are being changed. Would you consider leading the charge to start a LifeWise in your neighborhood school? The first step is to voice your support at lifewiseacademy.org. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. 
They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006, towels changed forever. They started importing them and they added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. Before Bamboo HR, (laughs) I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via paper and we literally had paper stack. It was all in spreadsheets and like folders. From the moment I started using it, I felt calmer. As soon as we started using the bamboo like onboarding checklist, I mean, <laughs> it was extremely easy. Headcount, turnover, uh, years of service. Like there's just so many different reports that I use at different points in time. I'm like totally set free to focus on the people, to focus on development, to focus on team dynamics. It's freeing me up to do more of the stuff that actually matters in HR, which is interacting with people people, learning from them, and then building stuff for them. Everything is in this one place. I can't even imagine what it would be like without Bamboo HR. We're Bamboo HR, and we'd love to set you free to do great work. Come try our award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com HR for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com HR. You ever... Um delve into graphic novels. You know what graphic novels are? You know, they're kind of like um, comic books in some ways for adults. And, you know, if you went to the graphic novel section of a bookstore, you'd be surprised at the things that really incredibly beautiful imagery, uh, some of it's raw, of course. Uh, It just, you know, runs the gamut. But the rise of graphic novels probably happened maybe in the last, uh, what, I'd say 20 to 30 years. I, I bring this up because uh, there's a book that we loved uh, when our kids were younger called Mouse, M-A-U-S. And it is um, a decades-old series of, of graphic novels about the Holocaust. Um, the guy who's the writer, what's his name? Spiegelman. I think his name is Art Spiegelman. Uh, it's a story of his father's time as a Jew during the Holocaust in World War II. I mean, it shows the concentration camps. It's a graphic novel. And, of course, because it's the Holocaust and it's Auschwitz, it is extremely graphic. Well, I bring this up because today I read that a school district in Tennessee has banned the book. Now, of course, you know that doesn't go well because you get people like me or whomever picking up the story and talking about it. So now Mouse, which was not even on Amazon's you know top 1,000 graphic novels, uh, like a few days ago, all of a sudden is it number one and number two uh, on their bestseller list on Amazon. All because someone objected to it uh, in Tennessee, a school board member, and the school board went ahead and banned the book. They deemed it too graphic. Uh, it's a graphic novel. Too violent. Now, of course, you, you might imagine, right? It is the Holocaust. Anyway, I, I would say this. Um, if, if something like this, if reading about the Holocaust interests you, 
And I think, as a believer, I think it, it interests a, a lot of Christians, of course. It interests humanity. The wiping out of the Jewish race by design over the Nazi killing machine. I mean, there's been a lot said of, about it, of course. But if you've never engaged in the book Mouse, M-A-U-S, I'd highly recommend you check it out. Uh, you know, there are portions of it that are online that you can see what I'm talking about. Um, and if you want to go further, you go out and buy the book at uh, your local Barnes & Noble or Hearts & Minds Bookstore or wherever you buy your books because um, support your bookstores. Anyway, such is life. Mouse. We'll take a quick break, a quick break, and we'll reset for the five o'clock hour. Ryan Burge is going to be with us, and we're going to talk about um, politics <laughs> and religion. <laughs> That's shocking. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. The Holy Spirit with us, and peace be with you as we take a quick break. Be right back. to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The president's election of a Supreme Court nominee may imperil passage of his Build Back Better spending bill. Analysts say dealing with a Supreme Court nomination is likely to delay other business, including the president's signature social spending bill. Jim Manley, a former aide to Senator Harry Reid, says, quote, at some point that nomination process is going to consume all of the oxygen on Capitol Hill in the Senate. Even if Build Back Better is passed, it may be too late in the year for voters to see any tangible benefits before the election. As Manley puts it, quote, time is not the friend of Build Back Better. The longer this stretches out, the more difficult it's going to become. Bob Agnew reporting. And Moderna says U.S. health regulators have given full approval to its COVID-19 vaccine after reviewing additional data on its safety and effectiveness. The Dow ahead 244 points. The NASDAQ is up 363. This is SRN News. Your pets have this. If you owe $27 trillion and you didn't have the money to pay it off, what would you need to do? Well, you need to make a lot more money, right? Well, now America's debt is more than $27 trillion, and right now taxes are at historically low levels. It doesn't take a genius to realize taxes will probably go up. Now think about your retirement accounts. Do you want to pay taxes on some of that money now when rates are lower or later when rates are much higher? Now, whether you should pay taxes now or in retirement depends on a lot of things. That's why Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group has a free guide called You and Your Taxes to help you determine what's best for you. To get your copy of You and Your Taxes, call or text TAX to 412-515-3555. That's TAX to 412-515-3555. When taxes go up, will you be ready? Get this free guide from Kirk Kenotic and Accurate Solutions Group now. Call or text TAX to 412-515-3555. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Our firm may not give tax advice. I've been teaching my sweet 86-year-old grandma how to use her Alexa. The other day, I'm overhanging out and I see grandma about four inches from Alexa yelling, Hey, Alexa, I'm making cookies. Tell me when it's 10 minutes. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and the reality is the mortgage world has changed from old school to new school as well. In the old days, you usually use somebody local, but today you don't have to be local to be local. 
You don't have to set up an appointment to see me. You'll have my cell and you can text or call me anytime. The Stone Age paperwork of old is now, usually just some easy clicks. And if you're refinancing, in most cases, we'll just send a notary to your home for your closing. The level of attention that we bring will make us feel very local for you. We are the United Faith Mortgage. And one other advantage? Read how our direct lender advantage can often save your family monthly and lifelong money at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Corp. Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. At the Original Mattress Factory, we know that a middleman adds little actual value. Unfortunately, most mainstream mattress brands sell their products through a retailer. This only adds more cost that gets passed along to the customer. At OMF, we choose to eliminate the middleman and sell directly to you. This factory direct approach allows you to buy a great product at the lowest price possible. No middleman markups here. Visit an OMF location today to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Does it seem like your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to? Instead of raising prices, some companies will cut on quality and quantity to save on costs. Mainstream mattress brands opt for cheaper, lower quality materials in their mattresses. At OMF, we believe you deserve the best. So we hand build our mattresses and box springs, always using only the highest quality materials. Visit one of our stores today to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 19. Times of clouds and sun tomorrow, tomorrow's high 43. Cloudy skies tomorrow night, low 31. Cloudy Wednesday, a little rain in the afternoon will reach a high Wednesday of 45. Rain changing to ice on Thursday. Roads and sidewalks could turn into dangerous sheets of ice. The high 37, temperatures falling to the mid-20s. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Portions of the following program have been pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It's five minutes past the five o'clock hour on this Monday, and uh, if you buy a window, or if you're outside, you see. I mean, that sun is super high in the sky. It is not going to set anytime soon, which is fabulous, isn't it? It's sunny. Sunny and cold on this Monday. <laughs> Last day of January, but it felt like a long month, didn't it? Is, is snow is that, is that what snow does? It somehow slows down time because we were sailing along through the winter. All of a sudden, January came upon us and started snowing and or grinding to a halt. So the good news is, right? You hear the weather; uh, things are going to warm up, which <laughs> will allow the snow to melt. But then, right on the heels of the warm up, will be more snow. So looks like February. We're just going to be the same as January. Such as like that's your snow update. In case you're skiing, in case you're out there skiing around, which is if that's the case, why am I in your head? <laughs> which would just be weird. Um, uh, let me make an apology here. Uh, February, February, February. How do you say it? February or February? Uh, anyway, February of 2022. Here at the office, like you know everybody else. We started talking about this virus thing that was happening. <laughs> we're joking. We're laughing. I brought in a catcher's mitt. Bring in a mask. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, first week of March, we leave the office. We leave the studio behind. Kath and I, uh, gone. At the time, uh, Mike Duffy was our producer. And he's 
holding down the fort. And uh, we start Zooming, doing the show, Zooming. So from March of 2020, we came back in June of this year. And occasionally I would come into the studio late at night and record or whatnot. And, you know, I took my plants with me. I had a lot of plants in my office and they, they survived. They're, they're still at home in the dining room. But um, my office phone, the, the, the phone here, the phone system, uh, I'd come in and I'd look at my phone and there'd be like a little red, you know, the little red button. If you've got an office phone, like I've got a voicemail. And I'd look at that button. And I'm thinking, uh, uh, I'm not going to, uh, what, why would someone leave me a voicemail? I'm not. Anyway, I would come in throughout that time over those two years and look at that voicemail thing. When we came back, we got a, an email from management uh, in California saying, hey, we're, we're going to wipe that clean so you, you'll start fresh. So then the red light went away. But then all of a sudden, apparently, I think people started calling again. <laughs> I don't calling the voicemail. I tried to go into my voicemail system. I forgot my um, login information. I, I just, for, excuse me, I just forgot it. It's been so long. So apologies if you've tried to, you know, if that's you, if the little red light is you, I'm not ignoring you. I kind of am in a way. I'm just being, you know, a fool. I just, which makes me wonder. I I worry about that little red light, but is that a generational thing? Is it? Because, you know, office phone sales, I'm sure, like everything else, they have dipped dramatically in, in recent years. Um, I'm reading here, um, this is from Communication Tech. Office phone sales in the U.S. Uh, have slipped from 7.9 million units. I'm not quite sure what a unit is. It is an individual phone. 7.9 million units in 2018 to 6.3 million in 2020. So less people have phones in their office. Eight in ten Americans say that they generally don't answer unknown numbers on on their phones. I don't do that. Do you? So what what I've done, and I think this is very true for most people, is that you've just gone by. You know, I'm not using the office phone anymore. I'm using my cell phone. Right? I'm just using that. So I see numbers pop up. People are trying to reach you, whether it's you know your car warranty or something really important. When the phone rings and I don't know the number, I think this is true, right? I I ignore it. And then maybe I'll go and look look and see, oh, there's a voicemail there. Okay. So 8 in 10 Americans say they generally don't answer unknown numbers, according to Pew. An additional 14% of Americans say they usually ignore voicemails from such numbers. Now, I'll go listen to the voicemail. The generational split over voicemail is almost as sharp as with emojis. Some 71% of people born after 1983 would prefer a text over a voicemail if they miss a call, according to one poll by uh, uh, by Pew. For baby boomers, the figure was just 34%. I don't mind a voicemail. <laughs> after I just told you I don't listen to them. But there's something about a voicemail that's, you know, it's... I'm not saying it's comforting, right? But it's certainly more direct. It's, I don't know, it's kind of, 
couple of years ago, uh, one of my kids was rooting through a box in the basement. And what did he uncover? He uncovered our old answering machine, like our family answering machine. Now, like a lot of people, we abandoned our phone, right? Our family phone, which made me feel bad. Still, I still know that number. How many, you know, you, don't you know your phone number from your house or from your childhood even more? Do you remember your childhood phone number? So anyway, uh, he, he took the phone machine out of the box and brought it upstairs. And we all sat down at the dining room table and listened to voicemails from 10, 15 plus years ago. And you know how that is. I heard my mom. My mom's been gone a long time. I heard her on the phone. Hey, you know, your, your heart melts. All of a sudden, she's back. And you listen to her, the smile in her voice. You hear her inflection. There's something totally innocuous about, you know, her coming over to do something, you know, something totally. But, boy, it meant everything to me to, to hear her voice again. And my sons, they heard, you know, play dates and, you know, neighbors and things like that. You don't get that from a text, of course, right? The human element is gone, which I wonder, like, I talked about this before. My mom, she used to read family letters at the dinner table, you know, from my Aunt Catherine, my Aunt Hazel, um, you know, any number of our aunts. Are you going to save your texts? Can you even save texts? I mean, will text be sort of like the new letter? You know, occasionally they'll find, they'll discover, a, you know, a cache of letters tied with a ribbon. And there's, you know, some missive some from people, you know, who who wrote back and forth to each other, you know, World War II or whatnot. You know, that story. We've heard those stories. They're not going to do that with texts. Certainly they won't do that with voicemails, although, I don't know. So whether it is texts or voicemails or your answering machine here at work. The technology changes, doesn't it? But the intent, I'm looking at a text this morning from my son, my youngest boy. I sent him a photo. He sent me something back. I love that. I don't want to, I don't ever want to lose that. But I think like all things, it's sort of, it just, it's in the wind. It'll, it'll go away. It won't mean anything to anybody. And at some point I'll be an old man and I'll just forget the whole thing even existed. So what does it all mean? I don't know. I do not know. Thank God there's God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God we got trust in God because everything else doesn't make sense, does it? And even in the struggle, right, sometimes God doesn't make sense. A lot of times God doesn't make sense. But in my heart of hearts, you know, God loves us. He knows us and he makes perfect sense. We'll take a quick break. When we do come back, Ryan Burge is with us. We're going to talk about 20 myths about religion and politics in America. Promises to be a barn burner. Straight ahead. 101.5 WORD. Ever had one of those fleeting moments of doubt where you wonder, is Christianity really true? How can I be sure Jesus really is who he claimed to be? Where do those doubts come from and how do you overcome them? Consider that in John MacArthur's series, When Believers Doubt, this week here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. So I invested in one of those fancy new exercise bikes. Without a doubt, a very special tool to help me get healthier. The problem is three days go by, then four, and I've done nothing. 
And then it's night five and I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I look down at myself and I can't help but just laugh because there I am wearing the exercise t-shirt that came with the bike and I'm eating two corn dogs. I think we'd all agree the special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. At United Faith Mortgage, we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions. There's no middleman. And often, this allows us to get you a better rate on your refinance or new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Animalist Consumer Access. Federal Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Go to Mako.com for an online estimate today. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the whoops. <laughs> Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Attention, this is a special alert for all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an overpriced auto warranty or no warranty coverage at all. Due to the increase of new and used car prices, repair costs, and the price of gas, people are keeping their cars longer than ever, which is why CarShield is announcing a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on covered auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can save thousands for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. You could save thousands on future auto repairs. Our specialists are standing by for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-708-1855. Vehicle protection plan pricing is at an all-time low. Plus, drivers who purchase this coverage today will receive rental car options, free roadside assistance, and free towing. Call 800-708-1855 now for your free quick quote. That's 800-708-1855. What do you have to lose? Call 800-708-1855. Again, 800-708-1855. Sometimes when you see complex issues and you see them in black and white or maybe in a color chart, they kind of help make sense. That's why I'm always happy to invite our first guest for the 5 o'clock hour, Dr. Ryan Burge, back with us. Dr. Burge is Assistant Professor of Political Science at Eastern Eastern Illinois University. His research appears on the site Religion in Public. He tweets at Ryan Burge on Twitter. And he's got a brand new book coming out in just a, a couple of weeks, 20 Myths About Religion and Politics in America. Hey, Ryan, welcome back. Hey, John. So good to be with you. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Listen, I, I follow you on Twitter, and I, I look at you uh, every day. You you tweet often, and there's always something very interesting there. And, and today, you're featuring uh, some tweets with graphs that really are t- lifted from 20 myths about religion and politics in America, yeah? Yeah, that's right. I think the one thing that I could add to the conversation right now in 2022 is – we need to be thinking about never attending evangelical Christians and what they mean both culturally and politically for the future of our country. Wait, 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 wait. Back that up again. Here, Say that again. Yeah, never attending self-identified evangelicals. These are people who you ask on a survey, "What are, are you an evangelical Christian or not? They say yes. And then we ask, how often do you go to church? And they say, <laughs> I go to church less than once a year. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? 
from a Christian perspective, it makes zero sense at all. Yeah. From a from a social science perspective, actually, is making more and more sense because the word evangelical, from a pastoral perspective, is a theological word. It's a historical theological word. It goes back, you know, centuries. But from a social science standpoint, the word evangelical sort of jumped the fence from theology to culture and to politics and to society generally. And so people are being drawn more to those aspects of it than the actual Jesus aspect of being an evangelical. So then does Christian equal evangelical? Like in the old days, you'd get a phone call, right? You would identify your religious affiliation. People would say Christian. Uh, now are you saying evangelical has replaced Christian in the, sort of the, you know, the wider world? So interestingly enough, if you ask people, like if you give people options of what they are in a survey and you say, okay, of these five options, which are you, Protestant, Catholic, um, Latter-day Saint, Orthodox, or Christian, people under 45 have no idea what a Protestant is anymore. Really? So they're, yeah, they, they like, for instance, like 25% of young people say they're Christians and only 10% say they're Protestants. They just don't know what the word Protestant means anymore. So it's almost like the word evangelical and Christian have become melded together. And we and young people know what those words mean, but young people have no idea about Martin Luther and the 95 Theses and the Reformation and all that stuff. So it's Christian, it's evangelical. Those are really the words that people know now. That's interesting. Okay, so then maybe you can track that back to somehow in popular culture, maybe the, the rise of the Christian right, where, you know, um, Christian evangelical replaced Protestantism, right? So maybe if you were like, you know, raised in the 50s or the 60s, even the 70s, you wouldn't know what a Protestant was, but now that vernacular, just the verbiage itself is being wiped away. Well, think about the, the, the biggest change in American religion, besides the rise of the nuns, obviously, which you should buy my book and learn all about. But the other biggest change is the rise in non-denominational Protestant Christianity. They don't even use the word Protestant there. They don't even have stained glass, or a lot of them don't have crosses. You don't have any connection to Lutherans or Methodists or Presbyterians or Baptists. You just say, we're Christians. It's a religion. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. So you're trying to basically walk away from all those historical religious terms that we use and we shouldn't be shocked by the fact that people who grow up in those traditions have no idea about historical Christianity because that church is not teaching anything about historical Christianity. That's interesting. We're talking with Professor Ryan Burge about his latest 20 myths about religion and politics in America. So, Ryan, in the book, you have a chapter, non-denominational Christians are rare. Is that really true? No, incredibly unrare now. And um, 25% of all Protestant Christians in America are non-denominational. It was 3% of America in 1975. Wow, wow. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking – now, in the book, I say, like, why are we having such a hard time covering this? Like, you don't see this being covered in the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these outlets – it's because they don't have annual meetings where you know thousands of people from across the country come and have like the Southern Baptists had their annual meeting they had it in Nashville last time and it was like the center of the, of the Christian world for a couple of days. Yeah. Non-denoms have none of that because they have no connection to each other, so they're harder to cover because you can't make blanket statements about them because they're all so unique and so different from each other. So it's the shotgun approach to organized religion. It's actually, in some ways, it's like the venture capitalist of American religion, if you think about it, right? So you get an idea, I want to start a church, and actually there are several networks in America today. There's the SEND Network through the Southern Baptist Convention, there's the Acts 29 Network, and there's one called ARC, Association of Related Churches. And if you go to one of these organizations, they will actually train you and actually give you, see if you're qualified or not, and they will give you seed money to found your church which over a course of two or three years then begins to disappear. And the hope is that you can kind of fly after that. Your church is big enough. You can support yourself. 
And then part of that is you give back a portion of what you make in your tithes and offerings from that point forward back to that network that then goes out to new churches. So it sort of multiplies really? over time. No, wait. So what you've described, especially in the early uh, early stages, it's not a seminary, but it's kind of acting like a seminary. It's like an on-the-job training seminary. So a lot of these places actually have like maybe quarterly conferences where these church planters will come and learn new skills on the job. But it's almost like putting a teacher in the classroom with no background in pedagogy saying, we'll help you figure it out as you go along. And you know what? A lot of these churches are actually being incredibly successful. And one of the reasons Christianity is not declining as fast as it could be is because these non-denominationals are actually doing a good job of bringing in new people or attracting people from other denominations. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, now I, I understand exactly what you're saying because I believe, Ryan, and more often than not, this is the model for other countries, you know, maybe people in the Philippines or Belarus, wherever, right, where there are no established seminaries. The model's already been created. Now it's just being imported to America. It's almost like we're a domestic mission field at this point. But you know what? There's actually some evidence that whenever you've got to bring more people in to pay your salary, you're hungrier and you try harder because you can't, you know, can't get lazy because if you're lazy, you'll go out of business and you won't have a, a job and a career. So by really making putting their financial lives on the line, these pastors are forced to be the best pastor they can be and grow these churches very quickly because the alternative is they leave ministry entirely and have to find a new career. Hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. 20 myths about religion and politics in America. Ryan, I'm looking at your work, and it just came in hot off the presses today. Uh, It doesn't go on sale until later in February. But one of the the chapters you talk about is people return to religion late in life. Is that true? Yeah. No, it's not. People are like, it's a life insurance policy, right? Like they're getting to thinking about death and where they're going to go when they die. And so people are going to become more religious as they age. If you look, I broke the, the the sample down into birth cohorts, which are five year, you know, like let's say you're born between 1940 and 1945, 1946 and 1950. Yeah. I looked at all those birth cohorts from 2008 to 2020, and in every single case, there was a, a larger share of nuns in 2020 compared to 2008. Wow. So every birth cohort is becoming less religious over time. There's no evidence that people gravitate back toward religion as they move into late life stage. Heck, I thought for sure. <laughs> I thought that was the silver lining in all this, right? That as the boomers age, people were returned to their 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 faith of their youth. No. Heck. All right. Back, I'm back. I'm back. I see you now. Go. Okay, good. All right, good. So, yeah, I mean, that was my silver lining. I thought that, you know, as people aged out the boomers, right, that they were returned to they were returned to, the, you know, the religion of their youth. That's see, there's always this assumption, right, that People, when they have kids, will go back to church because they want their kids to be religious like they're religious. Right, know, they right, were right. Religious. Yeah, that's called the life cycle theory, and that worked with people born before World War II. It does not work at all, people born after World War II. Now what we know is people become less religious as they age. If they have kids, they're more likely to stay in religion slightly longer, but it's not enough to kind of turn the tide around. And people are – I know it's a boring story to say, but like people are less religious today than they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and 20 years ago, regardless of age, income, gender, race – political affiliation, whatever it is, there are more nuns today than there were 20 or 30 years ago. Now, see, I think a lot of, you know, you're, you're talking to uh, you know parents and, and they think, well, my kids have stepped away from faith in their 20s. I did the same thing, but I'm, I'm confident that they'll just do what I did and they'll come back at some point and they'll return to Jesus. Now you're saying, you know, society doesn't uh, sort of embolden that anymore. Things have changed. Heck. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I have a chapter in the book where it says college, you know, college makes people nuns. That's actually not true either. Interestingly enough, um, if you look at the data, 
young people who went to college are more likely to go to church than young people who didn't go to college. Hmm. For instance, 50% of 18 to 22 year olds who do not go to college are nuns. 50, actually it's 51% of young people, 18 to 22, who did not go to college are nuns. Amongst 18 to 22 year olds who did go to college, it's better. It's 40%. I mean, not a ton better, obviously, but 40 is better than 50 in this circumstance. And if you look at their life course, they're much more likely to be religious as they go along. I think there's this misconception. A lot of evangelicals teach their their kids you're going to go to a secular university they're going to make you an atheist or agnostic you know what the biggest impact is on young people's views Hmm. it's their roommates not their professors it's their roommates there's been tons of studies that show that people who live with a roommate who's different than them are more likely to adopt their worldview than from their professor or anyone else because let's just face it you spend 12 14 hours a day with that person you spend two or three hours a week in the classroom with me so it just stands to reason that person's gonna have a bigger impact on you than i ever would holy smokes 20 myths about religion and politics in america those roommates okay so what about this we've been talking about the you know the rise of the nuns people less religious is it true that america is much less religious than it has been in the past well if you take the nuns out we're actually just as religious as we ever were i think it's kind of like a a dividing process right so the people who are left are very religious and the people who left are not religious at all okay and unfortunately the problem is the people in the middle are becoming fewer and fewer over time so either you have the really religious or the really irreligious you're kind of losing those people who would go like you know eight times a year ten times a year they're becoming nuns much more than they're becoming, you know, hardcore, let's say evangelicals or Catholics or things like that. So if you're still religious, you're actually probably just as religious as your parents and grandparents were. But a lot of people left religion and they're in co- completely irreligious, many of them. I see. So that does not bode well for the future. Uh, Ryan, so uh, 20 myths about religion and politics in America. I'm sure this took you uh, many years to coalesce and then create. What's your conclusion when you're done with all this? I mean, uh, are we better off? as a country are we worse i mean what do you what's your takeaway with all this yeah i think my my big point from the book is i think in a time when we're so divided on everything it seems like you know even covid we couldn't make you know we couldn't agree on what to do with covid i think the one thing we need to realize is there's one way forward and that's to be empirical you know to be data driven to kind of set our, our partisanship aside our blinders aside our preconceptions aside and really be willing to change our minds about things i think is so incredibly important in the book i compare robert mcnamara with um donald rumsfeld you know robert mcnamara really was the architect of vietnam which yeah. was a horrendous policy you know we bombed cambodia we killed tens of thousands of innocent people and later in life robert mcnamara really had a kind of a change of heart and really came to terms with the idea he did some terrible things and he made some bad decisions now, on the other side, Donald Rumsfeld got us into the Iraq war, which by almost every measure was an absolute disaster, and lots of people died unnecessarily, and he died just as sure as himself as he was back in 2002 when he made that decision. We need to be better about changing our minds, realizing that we can make mistakes, realizing there's new information out there. There's nothing wrong with, with accepting new information. I saw a great picture. A guy was at a rally, a protest, had a sign that said, sorry it took me so long to get here. I had a lot to learn. And I think, boy, isn't that a mentality that we can all have going forward? We all can learn more. We can all listen more, and we can all understand the world in a more complete way than we do right now if we're willing to be open-minded and listen to the data. I had a lot to learn. That's very good. Ryan, uh, 20 Myths About Religion and Politics in America. It uh, is available when? March the 1st. You can pre-order on Amazon right now. March the 1st, it comes out on Amazon.com. Audiobooks soon to follow. You can also buy the ebook on Amazon or anywhere that books are sold. You can also buy The Nuns, which has been out for about 10 months now. Where they're, uh, Who they are, where they're going, 
uh, from Fortress Press on Amazon as well. Thank you, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Ryan Burge. Thank you. Baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Brr, isn't it chilly? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, snuggling up to a nice warm bowl of homemade soup. Winter on our farm means my brother Sam and his guys are trying to stay warm as they feed all the groups of cows, calves, and heifers out in the elements, milk the 100-cow herd twice a day, and handle all that comes with a working dairy farm, no matter what the weather is. Winter at the Springhouse store means a little slower pace, so it's a great time for our cooks to try out new main dishes, new sides, and new soup recipes like the one I'm enjoying, vegetarian chili. The bakers are even getting in on the act and trying new desserts too, like chocolate cherry cordial. Stop by for lunch or supper and see what new creations they've come up with today. Good old-fashioned cooking featuring all-natural, farm-fresh ingredients and lots of TLC. The Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. We've all been thinking a lot lately about the air we breathe. QDOT has been thinking about it for over 100 years, providing big HVAC solutions for the commercial industry, including healthcare, where air quality is paramount. Does your home deserve any less? For affordable solutions, including their new bipolar ionizer, which may eliminate up to 99.4% of airborne viruses, including SARS-CoV-2, breathe easier with QDOT. Call 412-366-6200 or visit q-dot.com. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Mostly cloudy skies tonight, low 19. Times of clouds and sun tomorrow, tomorrow's high 43. Cloudy skies tomorrow night, low 31. Cloudy Wednesday, a little rain in the afternoon will reach a high Wednesday of 45. Rain changing to ice on Thursday. Roads and sidewalks could turn into dangerous sheets of ice. The high 37, temperatures falling to the mid-20s. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Makes sense. Does what make sense? Fabric softener. Yes. Well, that's yeah. way more direct than you normally are. Yeah, it makes sense. Whenever you know, I'm doing my laundry and I put a little fabric softener in there. I, I feel good about myself. <laughs> Do you feel good about it? Yeah. Why? You know, While you're taking care of your clothes. Hey, and then and they'll and you know what. They'll be softer. Uh-huh. No, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'll buy into it. It's like a vitamin. No, I'm not sure. It's, no, no, I think it is. I think it's. A I think a like vitamin's a, vitamin. a myth. No, I vitamin's think so. just like you know marketing BS. Mm-hmm. But a fabric softener, 
I think it works. I'm I'm crossing my fingers. No, please don't write me. Okay. <laughs> I think fabric softener makes perfect sense. Yes. No, you're incorrect. Oh, wait. You no. don't use fabric softener? No, never. 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 Why do you want extra stuff on your clothes? The whole idea of washing something is you're getting stuff out. If it makes it nice and soft. You don't want to put stuff in. You want to get it out. That's what, the, that's what the agitation process is in the, you know. Yeah. But I want to put something on and go, oh, that feels so good so on then, me. It's so soft. So just get a thing that's soft. Don't, like, add chemicals to it to make it softer. It doesn't make sense. And you're a buzzkill. <laughs> I, I You're like, the one who ripped apart our vitamin regimen yeah. yesterday, so don't talk to me about buzzkill. So you saying it doesn't make sense? Does not make sense. All right, does this make sense? Holy water. Holy water. Now, when you go into a church, Anglican, Lutheran, Catholic, there's often fonts that you put your finger in and you... Right? Holy water. Yeah. Does that make sense? How can I talk about the kind of question? Is that it? Does this make sense? What do you mean? I mean, we, we were at a service recently. The pastor came down and he sprinkled us with holy water. Yeah. I, it makes perfect sense to me. Now, I know that other denominations, yeah. Presbyterians, they go, what? Holy water? What are you, like some magic, hocus pocus thing? To me, holy water makes sense. Thank goodness. I mean, I can't say no, it doesn't make sense. Well, Can you imagine if I said no, holy water didn't make sense? You're a Presbyterian. Does it make sense for the Presbyterians? I, I Well, we don't have it, but it doesn't... You doesn't, have it. I don't have it. I don't when have the, holy When you water. baptize well, a that's, bait, But you don't call that holy water. What do you call it? You call it water, I think. No, nope, no. Nope. Now I'm starting to doubt myself. Does, I think we call it water. Fabric softener... I say it makes sense. Holy water. I think we should say yes. 101.5 WORD. This week from Chuck Swindoll, a lesson on the virtue of humility. We're forever striving to be number one when we're competitive. We fight to be up front, to be seen, to overshadow others, to be larger, to have more than has no place in the body of Christ. Hear Chuck Swindoll describe what it means to embrace humility when you listen this week to Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and luxurious at the store, but then you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at MyPillow found out that about 2006 towels changed forever. They started importing them and the added softeners and other things to the cotton that made them feel really good, but they didn't work. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. They're all made with USA cotton, and they come with a MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. A six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, and two washcloths made with USA cotton, regularly $109.99, now just $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954. But right now, MyPillow.com promo code is WORD. If you want to make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come, then it's time to stand with Israel by going there. 
Consider the thrilling excitement of joining nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza on the Stand with Israel Tour November 30th through December 9th, 2022. Journey through the Holy Land with two of the most respected political commentators of today. Together with like-minded travelers, you'll see over 40 iconic sites during the 10-day tour. You can pray at the Western Wall in Old City, Jerusalem, float on the Dead Sea, and take a boat out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to reserve your spot or call 855-565-5519. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com or call 855-565-5519 to book today. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Our next guest says this, that when families are healthy culture is healthy. Well, considering the state of where we are, uh, I really look forward to speaking with Jim Daly. Jim Daly is the president of Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family, you may know, is her daily here on Word FM at 7.30, noon, 8.30, and 3 a.m. And Jim, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you, John. Always a pleasure, Jim, to hear your voice. Thank you so much for your continued excellence, the work that Focus on the Family does for families, for the culture. We need you now more than ever. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I hear that a lot from folks that are saying, you know, focus on the family is more relevant today than when Dr. Dobson started it in 77. And, you know, you think about that. Why would somebody make that statement? I think because there's so much pressure on the family today. Pressure indeed. Okay, so Jim, uh, your story is is well known that you grew up in a household that was filled with turmoil, an alcoholic father. Your mother passed away at a young age. Your stepfather came in and was duplicitous. You found yourself in in a, a care of, of strangers. But from that, Christ has sprung from your life, and you've been a steward of many people in their quest for truth and life in the family. Can you talk to us when you look at uh, 1977 forward, the family has changed, has it not? I mean, how can you define what the family is when the culture is always trying to shift things around? No, it's so true. And I think, you know, Dr. Dobson, who started Focus on the Family, when he would say that the culture is like a river and it continues to pull the family downstream, and we're trying to resist that current. Uh, that is um, deconstructing family. And you see it at every level, uh, everybody's agenda yeah. uh, being what it is today on a college campus, all the uh, non-binary sexual orientation issues, and then family formation at its weakest point since they've been keeping records. Think of this, I think the statistic was uh, 40% in 1970, 40% of women 20 to 45 uh, had children in the home. Today it's 18%. Wow. I mean, that is a really, that is an alarming statistic. Family formation is just not taking shape the way it used to. And obviously uh, a culture cannot sustain itself without um, 
you know, having children and yes. seeing what the Lord says, that it is a blessing to have a child, not a curse. The Scripture doesn't say it's a blessing to have a dog, <laughs> right? But, man, we have really turned this all upside down. And I think in part, John, the problem is, and it, it, it's such a old problem, we're becoming more and more selfish. It's more about us, our comfort, our pleasure. And, you know, it's the same old debate that we've been at for 5,000 years with humanity. We can't escape that orbit of, hey, it's really about me, right? Yeah, but but that is the case, especially now more than ever, right? We live in this culture, (laughs) here's the phrase, social media, right, where it's all this reflection of who we are for better, and I would say more often than not worse. So then how then does focus on the family continue to hold scriptural truth in a culture that's disintegrating? Do people want to even want to hear this message outside of the confines of focus in the family? You know, my experience has been that the way the Lord works in his creation is this pendulum effect. It's like the culture, you look at it in the Old Testament and the New Testament, culture has a way of trying to swing away from godly truth, whatever it might be, the evil ruler or the evil people. And, uh, and yet the Lord somehow puts it in the in the hearts of some people, those that believe in him. And that little ability for people to do the right thing begins to shift that pendulum back. And sometimes we miss it in a high media culture like we live in today. But think of just what's happening with public schools, the way parents now are standing up for kids, their kids, and saying, we don't want our kids to be treated the way they've been treated the last couple of years. We want to change. And that is that pendulum effect that I'm talking about. It's like our hearts wake up to what is true. And I always believe that this world, it's muck, it's grime, it's dirt, can never uh, cover the truth of God. That truth will emerge at some point. So then, Jim, you're optimistic. I mean, obviously, as believers, we that's our role in life, is to be optimistic. We, we know the role is, is forecast before us. At the same time, when you see the world we are in right now, uh, you know, it, it feels as though media is trumping everything, and it informs, unfortunately, our children much more than the church does. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I think, unfortunately, what motivates a human being to some kind of action is fear. And so even when you look at the media, or even the news media particularly, and you see the way, uh, even COVID, the way it's been treated, I mean, it is hyped, and you create this panic in people. And I've got it in my own extended family. Uh, Jean, my wife, has family members who are panicked to go outside. And you're just going, wow, this is not, especially for believers, this is not the way we should live. You know, the Lord clearly says, fear not. And I think of those great early church uh, stories of the disciples and and those that followed Jesus in those early centuries, and, and their courage was phenomenal, even to the point of death, right? And uh, so I think my optimism is rooted in the fact that we're about eternity. We're not about what's here in the temporal. And for those of us who believe in Jesus, it's about what comes next, not right now. That's where our uh, citizenship is. And so when we start looking at this, if something were to take me out, a virus or anything else, um, I want to go down with joy and with conviction that I know where I'm going. That's one of the best things I could do for my boys, is to show them what, what faith means to me, what faith in Christ means to me. And uh, I think, 
it's true the book talks, meaning the Bible, it talks yes. about where things are going to go and how things are going to go. But for us as believers, as a non-Christian friend of mine once said, if you guys are worried, I should be really worried. <laughs> and that's such a great point. It it's sure such is. basic truth. Uh, we are not a people of fear. We're not a people of worry. We should be a people of, of answers Amen. and conviction. Good. We're speaking with Jim Daly. He's the president of Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family is heard here on Word FM four times a day, 7.30 a.m., noon, 8.30 p.m., and 3 a.m. At the same time, Jim, you know, as you stewarding Focus on the Family through this weird era that we're living in, hopefully mm. we'll look back, you know, five or ten years from now and go, ooh, okay, that was kind of strange, but everybody made it through. You've got to navigate... People, I'm sure, are, are coming to you in droves, emails, telephone calls, and complaining about lack of truth or the, the landscape or how, all the different things that you know everyone is trying to navigate through. H- how do you work through that bubble? I mean, what is it like at Focus in the Family for you to gather behind closed doors and say, we see things as they are, and this is our message, this is how we have to communicate and hold the line on things, even though people are sort of you know acting out and there's panic. Well, it's so true. I think, again, we have to be the most resolute people. But the Scripture asks us to do many things. You know, you think of this OSHA thing we just went through with uh, organizations over 100 people. So, you know, we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, okay, what's the scriptural thing to do here? We don't want to put upon the staff things that are inappropriate, etc., yet, uh, you know, we're being required by OSHA to make these declarations. That's a perfect example because so many organizations were in a trap there. Do you obey authority over you? This first uh, Peter 2 talks about. I think the answer was yes, but for me there was a, a plan there. I was hoping and praying and encouraging the staff to pray that the Supreme Court would strike down that mandate, not requiring us to do all the policing of the vaccinated and unvaccinated within our own work environment. And thankfully, uh, the Supreme Court did knock it down. But, you know, the Christian community, people, some within the Christian community, I mean, it just, like, took them over, that fear. And and there's where we need to be able to walk that tightrope at times, no matter what the issue is, but to do the best we can to always honor the Lord in everything we do, and when we can obey authority when it's not against God's word. And, you know, we're going to get that problem presented to us, I think, over the next 10 years more and more when it comes to the culture being at war with people of faith. And we just need to represent the scripture, represent the gospel in the best pure-hearted way we can. We're not here to win. We're here to Uh, direct people to a a relationship with Christ. When you put the competition down, meaning you're not fighting for that victory, uh, it becomes a little clear on what we're supposed to do. That's so good. Thank you for that wisdom, Jim, because we are not here to win. Hey, uh, before you leave us, take a moment. Talk about your family. Uh, tell us about you know how you're navigating <laughs> through this. I uh, you know everybody's uh, hungry for some wisdom, for some strength. I mean, I look at my. I've got two boys. They've left the house. They're in college right now. They're 21 and 24. And you know, uh, I yeah. still you know try to you know to be that consistent guy who's got a voice and a presence in their lives. It's a difficult thing. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to the you know the social media thing. It really is, and everything is, you know, unique. So every parent's relationship with their child is unique, but there's buckets. I think for me, I just taped a program, the the 
beauty of doing Focus on the Family is I get to speak to so many great experts. And it was Lisa Jo Baker and a book she wrote called The Middle Matters. And it's about those middle years when your kids are right where both of our all of our kids are at. I've got the two boys, 21 and 19, Trent and Troy. And, you know, the reminder that we just taped for an hour and a half with Gene, my wife was in the program as well as we that taped is. it. But just this idea of maintaining relationship with your kids is so critical. And I, you know, folks that contact focus on the family, dads particularly, where they were so rules-oriented that it destroyed their relationship with their kids. And rules have a place, don't get me wrong, and there's need for boundaries and all those right things. But what kids are going to remember is, did you care for me? Did you love me? When I was crying out, did you uh, show up? And in the end, it's like the story of the prodigal son. You want to be that dad running for that prodigal son. And to show that love, to lavish them with love and knowing that they may have made some grave errors. And I think that's where we've got to be so careful in the Christian community. Our bar is so high. We have committed our lives to the Lord and we expect our children to live at such a high level spiritually that some fail. And it's in that failure that that relationship is going to be torn or it's going to be um, reinforced. And I would just urge moms and dads listening to aim for that relationship, maintain the relationship, and um, sometimes swallow the circumstances that your kids are in temporarily to make sure that you have in the future that ear from them where you can actually speak life and wholeness into them. That's good. <laughs> Jim, you sound like a good dad. You've got a, a strong measure of humility about you. Oh, man, we're all broken. We're all sinners saved by grace. And there's no more powerful thing than to say to your kids, I'm so sorry I said that or I did that. Um, It teaches them so much, no matter what their age. Well, Jim, listen, thanks an awful lot. I know you're a busy day, a lot on your schedule as always. appreciate you taking a little time to visit us here in Pittsburgh at Word FM. Uh, We're fans. Uh, We would uh, uh, be lost without the the daily broadcast and the excellence and, uh, again, the wisdom that you provide. So thank you for that, to have Christ first and foremost on those airways. It means much to us. Thank you, John. I said it's way over the top, but, man, it's great to just do ministry together, and we're grateful for you and Kathy. The pleasure's ours. Thank you. Jim Daly, Focus on the Family, 7.30, noon, 8.30, and 3 a.m. every day here on 101.5 Word FM. What if I told you you could save a baby's life for just $28? What's true? Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people just like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant women and girls who might otherwise choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother who is abortion-minded the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. And a $15,000 gift will provide an ultrasound machine that will save lives for years to come. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a phone call or click away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or give online, preborn.org slash radio. You know what you could do? You could put in a massive swimming pool in your basement and fill it with Skittles. Ah, Skittles. 
Skittles, and there'd be a big light-up slide. And you could slide headfirst into Skittle heaven. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much, while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many Word FM listeners, is the cash-out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a Skittle Paradise could also be cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. I'm listener 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License Number 22672. Exergen would like you to know about an important new study by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has always known. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate, and they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy in labeling. With new strains of COVID on the rise, we can't afford to tolerate rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at Exergen.com. Your life. Your hopes. And whatever you were searching for at 1.15 a.m., it's really none of our business, and it shouldn't be anyone else's. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Lay the Word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. We're on a roll here in the city. It's been three days without a bridge collapsing. Considering the amount of bridges we have, I'd say it's a good record. Hey, how about the, uh, the Joe Rogan thing? Have you heard that news? Spotify and Joe Rogan and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. I mean, only, only in this country, only in this weird era that we're living in would those names coalesce. Anyway, it's just... <laughs> the story's uh, too weird and too complex to even go into, but... Uh, such as it is, Joe Rogan, Neil Young, and Joni Mitchell. Hey, I would be remiss. Uh, I, I got to say the name Jerry Weber uh, on the show uh, because uh, over the weekend, uh, I hardly watched any television at all. I did I did watch some football, but more often than not, I find that I'm pulling away from video and listening instead to music, which is a, a great panacea for increased mental health don't you think just listening to, to music whether it's live or recorded now foolishly and like a lot of people uh decades ago i got rid of my uh my turntable now uh, to be honest my um, my oldest son picked up uh, a turntable probably when he was like 12 or 13 and he's he's doing fine he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vinyl of course you know it's become hip again which is really weird isn't it anyway jerry weber was the owner of Jerry's Records in Squirrel Hill. He passed away this past weekend at the age of 73. And, um, boy, if you were ever in Oakland, I mean, years ago he was above the old McDonald's in Oakland where he started out. I think it was called Garbage Records. And then he moved down the street uh, to South Craig Street. And then finally he moved um, over to uh, Squirrel Hill a couple of times. Yeah, I think he had two different locations in Squirrel Hill. But, man, anybody who loved music... And especially if you loved vinyl, you had to make your way to Jerry's Records, which, gladly, Jerry sold the business a, a couple of years ago to a guy, and the business is still up and running. So um, 
it's a great spot. And a lot of rockers, you know, the big rockers come to town. They're doing shows. Um, I'm reading an article, uh, Scott Mervis, who's, uh, he covers entertainment. Mostly he covers music for the PG. He, he talks about Robert Plant coming into town a couple of years ago and going to Jerry's. And it became a spot. I don't know. Long live vinyl. Because um, MP3s, meh. CDs, okay. Um, but vinyl, that's where it's at. It really is. Hey, thanks for being with us. I hope that wherever you are tonight, you know some peace, you know grace, and most importantly, you know the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ in your life and times. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing. Have yourself a good night. John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.